We return to our Bringing Light into Darkness radio show. We were discussing before the break how the challenging economic conditions preceded COVID and were so challenging that we suggest the likelihood that it contributed to the victory of, of Donald Trump's presidency. In fact, arguably, that may explain why Trump became president is because of the economic conditions facing so many working families. And under President Obama, there was an, a big spike in wealth disparity over his period of presidency. But the richest 1% in the world have more than double the wealth of 6.9 billion people, this Oxfam report reported. And among that 1% are those 2,153 billionaires who in 2019 had more wealth than 4.6 billion people. Oxfam calculated that to amass even a fifth of the average fortune of the world's five richest billionaires, you would need to have saved $10,000 a day since the building of the pyramids, which was what, some two to 4,000 years ago. Oxfam worked out that if the world's two richest men sat on their wealth piled up in $100 bills, they would be in outer space. I think more importantly to that, the women and girls, this report indicated, put in 12.5 billion hours of unpaid work every day. This is where the wealth comes from. It has to come from somewhere. Someone is working and not getting compensated. And that's been the history of the relations in this world. The woman's unpaid care work had a monetary value of $10.8 trillion a year. And so lastly, just a very small solution-oriented thing that they were suggesting in this piece by Oxfam was taxing an extra 0.5% of the wealth of the richest 1% could help massively. According to Oxfam, if they were to increase the taxation of the wealthiest, just 1% for the next 10 years, that would be the equivalent to creating 117 million care jobs in education, health, and elderly care, and other sectors as well. And so this is a story that is never pursued, wealth inequality. We dance around it. We never even mention it. How important the COVID is, is huge. How important does Black Lives Matter and the issues that have faced in African Americans? That's huge. But you never hear it in the context of the wealth disparity issue. And this is really what is important uh, to consider is not just that fact, the wealth disparity, but why not? And the why not is, again, I think, a failure of our media. Because they serve, and as we've already showed, are owned by a minority interest. Why would they be invested in trying to solve the riddle of eliminating human-created misery when their job is really to obfuscate the important issues that we're talking about, including wealth disparity? And, and this is not a new story to American history or to world history, for that matter. Uh, the concentration of wealth and then the influence of that wealth upon the governments is notorious throughout our, not only our history, but the history of other countries. I'm reading about 19th century France, and all they talk about is the Second Empire. Well, the First Empire and, and, and the Second Empire are, came to their end because of the inequities uh, between uh, classes uh, w within the country. But I think back to the original untaxed conglomerates and corporate giants, even Teddy Roosevelt, who came from money, saw that the problem with this wealth passed on from generation to generation and introduced an inheritance tax for that very purpose so that it wouldn't be a wave that swells and grows and ultimately leaves the rest of us behind. Well, that turned into, what did they call it, Pedro, the death tax? 
Right. Yeah, and if, if anybody pays any attention to it at all, you have to make an awful lot of money and have an awful lot of money in your inheritance to be even touched by those taxes. These taxes were based on just keeping the extremely wealthy from passing on that extreme wealth onto generation after generation. And this disregards the fact that they have not only educations and access to the world that most of us do not have, they then have the wealth to exploit whatever they want to go after in their adulthood. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we've reached the point now where there is no attempt at all by the government to stop that or to uh, break this chain of uh, money being passed on, but also being accumulated. Mm -hmm. Right now, there's Mm -hmm. four people in space that went there because one billionaire built a rocket and another billionaire said, uh, here, I'll pay for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now it's, uh, it's not like you and I are going to go into space, Pedro. Well, and, and, and you and I, or at least I'll save myself, I'm financially stable, which is not what most Americans can say. So, yeah. so I think that's really the issue. And I just think that this is the types of stuff that Dr. Martin Luther King was irate about. I mean, how much money do you need? $100 bills stacked on top of each other that would reach outer space. You know, that's um, the uh, the amounts of these discrepancies are unbelievable when you look at the, the rates of that human misery index we, we started the show off with. And they're all so preventable if there was just some type of humane deal. Again, I, I, I highlight the fact that the wealth self-perpetuates itself by having and owning the informational pathways, the information that's made available to us and not made available to us. So I think that's really something that if people would seek out alternative forms of information and then bring these things to the attention of the people that they've elected and hold them accountable to those types of things, it could be a different world. But we can't do that if that information is made unavailable. We just did a show last week with Ray McGovern on Julian Assange. Here's a guy that gets all of these documents that have been made available to him as a publisher, and they show that foreign policy after foreign policy, the American public and the world public have been lied to by these governments. And our media has been complicit in those lies. And he's the one that has been criminalized for doing what? For showing proof of the deceit and lies of all of these foreign policies, the basis of all these foreign policies. It's like the victim becomes the criminal and the criminal becomes the victim, as Malcolm X said. And he's the one that's been sitting in jail for 10 years. You know, you look at Daniel. It's essentially pilloried for. Uh, well, it's not just that though. It's, information. It's Daniel uh, Ellsberg with the Pentagon Papers. The same thing. Before him, yeah, we, we, exactly. were, we were completely lied to all through Vietnam. That only the truth tellers are being sent to prison, and nobody even cares. That's because we were indoctrinated in such a way as to have a feeling and an opinion about certain things about somebody that overshadow these very basic things that we're talking about here today. So, so I do think information is power, and the absence of information is power. Power to control the way people think and feel, and therefore behave. And the ownership of that I- information is something that occurs, and we call it that we have a free press. <laughs> it's not a free press, because if you do actually print these things show these amazing contradictions, then, you know, you will be hunted down with uh, what's been going on. Anyhow, we should go ahead and take a pause here because we do want people to 
please help support Co-op Radio during our membership drive. So, Pedro, I, I wanted to get back to almost where we started, and that was your addiction studies. I, I know part of or have a slight understanding of what you do during your day when you're not at KOP, and it, it involves studies of addictions and how to deal with them and cope with them, not just uh, the addicted, but also the families and others who are uh, affected by addictions. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and, and what you've been up to? Yeah, I'd like to talk about it in the context of social theory, actually. This Pedro Gatos Institute on Addiction, Health, and Social Theory really just means that addiction, like anything else, does not occur in a vacuum. It occurs in a cultural setting. There's so many moving parts. But in the field of addiction studies, we learn that no family is perfect, but some are much more dysfunctional than others, often due to the presence of a chemically dependent or alcoholic family member. So importantly, we have learned that this maladaptive survival behaviors that the non-addicted family members adopt to survive the irrational and sometimes even violent tendencies of the chemically dependent person to cope with what is properly called, among other things, a family illness may be adopted by other family members that don't have any drinking problems and may be adopted largely outside the awareness of those individual family members. This is called codependency, and these survival techniques that are adapted to deal with the irrational behavior of the chemically dependent family member, as people get older into their adult ages, many of those characteristics and dysfunction can be actually carried into their adult years, again, largely outside of their awareness. I'm not clear on the rate of people growing up in a family system that's been impacted by addictive orders, but at the turn of the century, I remember clearly the statistics were pointing at close to 20% of people were coming from homes that has some form of this type of dysfunction. So these family of origin issues are important, and there is a funny truism I wanted to share about the residual dynamics of growing up in a home where there is such a dysfunctional influence. It goes something like, yeah, my mother knows how to push my buttons. She's the one who installed them. And my studies suggest to me that there is an analogy here we can learn from, and that is that our culture, as a reflection of our political economic system, a material-driven system, can install similar buttons of irrational fear or false associations within all of us. In this example, the dysfunction is not caused by addiction. It's caused by informational prejudice and revisionist history that creates a profoundly misinformed population that too often arrogantly feels it knows all the answers and is an exceptional example of the human race. We are alienated from our many-sided potentials as a human being to believe in an ultra-competitive individualistic profile as the natural human tendency, which instead, in reality, I think we are alienated from our more cooperative and supportive side that comes out naturally during natural disasters where we help our neighbors without question nor expectation of compensation and those types of things. So this engineered darkness, if you will, is generated to protect this system of profound unfairness mainly reflected in this wealth distribution we were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. which makes it difficult to see many of the truths that we've discovered and seek to bring to light on bringing light into darkness. So when we hear words or persons that have been systematically demonized by our government leaders and the uncritically kind of mass media portrayal of that, we essentially are having 
these irrational buttons of unconscious, non-critical thinking narratives kind of installed in our being. Just like in our analogy, our mother's installed. Outside of our awareness. And it makes us unsympathetic and unempathetic. We don't want to hear. You know, the buttons that are installed in a dysfunctional family, they come because we are brought up and we're around these dysfunctional types of behaviors. And that's what normalcy is. My normalcy is my normal experience as I grow up through life, my normal environment. And the same can be said, I believe, when it comes to social theory and the influences that impact the way we think and feel about the world around us. Okay. In our culture, I think the same thing can be said for how we are kind of brainwashed outside of our, out of our awareness in many ways. I would hypothesize that subconsciously we are taught to associate leaders of countries of our foreign policy that the, that policy seeks to overthrow with being highly corrupted or terrible human beings, which in some cases may have some truth, but with the need then to replace them through regime change. In many cases, this demonization is profoundly unfair because we do not hold all leaders of all countries to the same standards. So this picking just certain people and putting them under a microscope type of thing can create these hateful types of feelings that we have towards people like Fidel Castro or Hugo Chavez when really there's a whole large body of evidence that's left out of really making an appropriate determination of what to think of these people. Anyhow, that's what occurs to me when I think of the addiction and the denial and these unconscious psychological mechanisms and such that allow us to get shaped in the way that we create these kind of blind prejudices, many of them we may not ever even really recognize. So I just wanted to include that in the show for today. And once again, uh, Pedro, my thanks for uh, allowing me and and some of my thoughts to uh, share the air and, and your time on uh, bringing light to darkness. But uh, for now, uh, I just want to thank you again for letting me uh, share some time with you, Pedro. It's always a, uh, a pleasure and an education, I might add. Well, thank you, Greg, so much. And again, since this is a pre-recorded show of just a couple of days ago, we will be announcing all of the words that you share as you call in to support co-op radio at our next broadcast next monday night so thank you for your words of support thank you for your phone calls and please try to help us make this the most productive membership drive in the history of co-op radio tell your friends to call if they have not already and most importantly every time you go by a radio uh, make sure you tune it in to 91.7 if it's on the fm so that the person that turns that radio on will be blessed with KOOP. We'll see you next week. Okay, take care, Pedro. Coming up next, do not go anywhere unless you're not on KOOP.org right now. Switch on over to the internet if you're on the FM dial to hear Emo Diaries with Co-op's very own Stephanie at the Disco. I can't wait. And we go out as we do every week with Land of Naivety.